This morning's scripture comes from the book of Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus looked at him, loved him, and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell all you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the disciples were perplexed at these words, but Jesus said to them, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at him and said, For mortals, it is impossible. But not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children in fields with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Thank you. Reverend Peter Gnomes helped me understand a little bit about uh, the Bible and wealth when he noted that there is no one single simple-minded principle about wealth in the Bible. How could it be? Because it's a collection of, of stories written over a thousand years by many authors, which, which had to do with their particular social and economic circumstances at the time. For example, there are some points in Israel's history where things were going well, and, 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 and there's riches, and that's seen as signs of God's approval or blessing. If you read Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. And as you remember, when we were talking about uh, our David series earlier in the summer, how it, it wasn't always a, a good thing, or, or we wouldn't say it was ethical, how Israel gained their wealth by going and robbing other, other countries or you know, and in First Chronicles twenty nine twelve, both riches and honor come from thee, and thou rulest over all. Ecclesiastes ten nineteen says that bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. 
What do you think? Has that been your experience? But then also we have in the in the Old Testament in the scripture scriptures such as Psalm 73, which calls for economic class warfare. There's this anger and vengeance and resentment against people that are wealthy. And, it's as it, and, and it says clearly that, that poor, the poor people have, a, have moral superiority than the rich. They're, they're ready to turn the tables. The psalmist is envious uh, of the prosperous Psalm 37, 49, 53 also are psalms that, that express this anger toward the rich. In the Magnificat, Mary sings about the redistribution of wealth in Luke 1:53. So we have these different themes about wealth in the scripture, depending on where people are in their society, in their class, how things are going. It's not just one clear message. Jesus, however, has a fairly clear message. He talks a lot about wealth. He does not say that wealth is a sin. Hear me now. That Jesus doesn't say being wealthy is, is sinful. But for Christians who are interested in wealth, it can become a problem. If you're really interested in wealth, it can become a problem. The problem, Jesus says, is that you can't worship both God and mammon, God and money. In Matthew 6, 24, wealth in itself is not bad. Zacchaeus got his money, his riches by immoral ways. He, uh, he was very wealthy. And then once he met Jesus, he gave half of his wealth away and gave it to money, people who he had been, who he had exploited really. And then he was still wealthy. And Jesus doesn't say, oh, you've got to give everything away. He says, you know, he's, he's, he praises him for giving some away, half of his wealth. He pray, Jesus doesn't say wealth equals wickedness like in the Psalms. In fact, Jesus talks about the wise use of money as in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 and the parable of the unjust steward in Luke 16. Jesus seems to agree with the Old Testament idea that one's wealth is a gift from God. What's important is what we do with our wealth. The parable of, the, of Dives and Lazarus is, is telling in Luke 16. Dives is the rich man who feasted every day sumptuously while Lazarus, this poor beggar, sits outside um, Dives' gate and begs and Dives gives him nothing. They both die and go to heaven and, uh, and Dives is in a bad place and he's suffering and Lazarus is happy. And Dives says, please let Lazarus just come and, and comfort me and help me a little with some water. And Abraham, Father Abraham says, oh no, when you were on earth, you had it easy and Lazarus had it bad. And now in heaven, it's reversed. Jesus is trying to say, Wealth isn't bad. It's what you do with your wealth that's important. This is why he compared the poor widow in Luke 21 who gave out of her poverty the widow's might and the rich who gave out of their abundance. We'll talk about that story next week. And it's Laity Sunday next week. So Liz, um, our lay leader, will be preaching in this service.
Wealth is a problem for those who have it and, ho and don't share it. When you are possessed by possessions, you know that, that wealth gives you some power, security, some pleasure, as well as some anxiety in this life. I think Jesus pities the rich man because he knows he could do so much more with his riches. There's such joy and freedom when we're able to turn our money into good. This is charity can give us joy. And many of you know this joy that comes through generosity. So we get to our scripture today, and this man has many possessions. And, and like us, Jesus has called him to be a disciple. And he comes up to Jesus, and he sincerely asks, Good teacher, what can I do to inherit eternal life? This is the big question, isn't it? How many of us have not asked it? It's just, we want to know the rules. How can we in, inherit eternal life? It's the same question that Jesus was asking the, when he told the story of the Good Samaritan, where he talked about showing mercy to your enemy. This man asked Jesus how to inherit eternal life, and Jesus surprises us and, and him, and he says, why do you call me good? It's kind of like Jesus is chasing a rabbit, you know, if I was having this conversation with my wife, she'd say, Dale, rabbit, you know, <laughs> she, which she does constantly, because um, I'll go off on something. Why do you call me good, Jesus? There's only God in heaven is good. Then Jesus starts listing the commandments, which have to do with how we love God and neighbor. You remember there, there are other commandments with, with having to do with loving God, but uh, like such as have no other gods beside me or worship God only, don't make idols, don't use God's name as if it has no significance, remember the Sabbath and treat it holy. <clears throat> Jesus doesn't ask the man if he's kept those commandments. He only asks him if he's kept the commandments that have to do with loving your neighbor. Honor your father, your mother, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't testify falsely against your neighbor, don't desire, take your neighbor's stuff. The young man says, yes, 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 Jesus, I've done all those things, I've kept those commandments in my, since my youth. You see, he's an honorable, he's a good guy. Then the gospel of Mark says a beautiful thing, Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. Don't miss that. Wouldn't you, can't, wouldn't you like to, to see the look in Jesus' eye and his face and his body as he loved this rich young man? That's the same way Jesus looks at you. Jesus loves each of us. Then Jesus says that keeping the commandments isn't enough. You need to do something positive for the poor. It's not enough to avoid bad things. You got to do something good with your wealth. Now, don't be put off by Jesus saying, sell everything. Whenever I read that, sell everything, I go, oh, gosh, what does he want? No, I really like my pension. I do. I've been working on it for a long time. I know Jesus says, don't store up your 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 your." Wealth in barns because it'll come down and you're going to die. I know I'm going to die. 
<clears throat> but I do like my pension. Do you? Um, you know, I, don't be put off by Jesus saying sell everything. I think it's hyperbole. It's exaggeration. Don't you word, like that word hyperbole? Say it, hyperbole. It's just a fun word to say. It means exaggeration. I think it's hyperbole. It doesn't mean that that uh, that you have to really sell everything. I don't think Jesus is telling him to sell everything. He's saying just share, share what you have. It, hyperbole is the same kind of thing. You, you know, Jesus used hyperbole when he said, anyone who, who does hate his mother and others can't be my disciple. Or if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Or if your eye causes you to sin, plug it he didn't mean it. He didn't mean that. That's hyperbole. It's kind of like when I say, I'm so hungry, I can eat a horse. I don't mean it. You know, it's, it's exaggeration. Jesus didn't ask Zacchaeus to sell everything or Joseph of Arimathea to give all he had away. Jesus doesn't ask us to sell everything. He just says, share pot. Do something positive for others. Share what you have. Jesus mentions the poor a number of times. You see, he noticed the lepers, the maimed, the handicapped, the sick, the dying. The poor symbolizes those people who need food, who need water. And this young man had a problem. He had a problem with his wealth. He also may have lacked compassion for the poor. All of us lack something. And maybe this man lacked compassion for the poor, and he really loved his possessions. The poor are just strange to us sometimes. We don't understand them. Wouldn't it be a gift if we could get to know somebody who is poor and hear their story and respect them and find out what they really want in life and help them achieve it? Share our time, our riches, our energy, our wisdom. Maybe this is what Jesus wanted from this rich young man. Just go get to know somebody. Share with them. You see, Jesus wouldn't have asked him to do something he wasn't capable of doing. It's like the professor at school. They're not going to ask us to do something if we're not capable of doing it. You know, Jesus was investing in this young man. He knew he could do more than he was doing. But the young man liked his stuff. Kind of like me. I like my stuff. He had worked hard for it. And he knew, he thought that it was his. And it, identif it was with his identity, his status, his power. And Jesus says, you've got to share don't be controlled and possessed by your possessions. Now, when the disciples heard this, they were confused. They knew the Old Testament teachings that, that riches were a sign of God's blessing. So wouldn't this young man be blessed because he has these things? And then Jesus tells them something funny. He says, it's going to be hard for rich folks to get the, to heaven. Then Jesus says something really funny. He says it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to go to the kingdom of God into heaven. And you read that and you go, what? What is that? Now, I, I know that there's 
A lot of theologians and biblical scholars that talk about that the needle in a gate in the Old Testament days where a camel has to get on their knees and go through it. Have you ever seen that? I've never seen that. I think it's hyperbole. This is the second time he's used hyperbole exaggeration. He's making a point. It's just hard for us to give up our stuff because he knows how much we like it. It's hard. Peter, of course, it's all about him. And, and he says, uh, 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 Jesus, have we given all we need to give to get to heaven? We've left our families. We've left our homes. We're following you. Have we done enough? And Jesus kind of says, oh, Peter, no one who's left their fathers and their mothers and their brothers and their sisters or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news will not receive a hundredfold in heaven. Now in this age and in heaven, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields and persecutions, he adds, in the age to come. In other words, you give away to God and it will come back and it will bless you. When you bless others with wealth, it will come back and bless you. But don't be surprised. There's going to be persecutions in the mix. And the, but the thing that, that, that gets me is this. It will come back a hundredfold. Now, what is this? It's hyperbole. It's exaggeration again. This is the third time he's used hyperbole in this one story. A hundredfold is a lot. The point is that a lot will come back to you. It's kind of like my poor pitiful tomato plants that maybe have a dozen tomatoes during the season. Maybe I'm not a very good farmer. It's like them having a hundred times 10 or 12. No way. Can you imagine a tomato plant having uh, hundreds of tomatoes? No way. Of course, with God, anything is possible. But this is hyperbole. Jesus is exaggerating to make a point. And the point is, for us to be generous is fairly difficult. But with God, it, nothing, all things are possible. The young man's a good man, but he couldn't trust that God would take care of him. He also didn't believe in himself enough to trust that he could live a good life with sharing. Jesus must have known him well. It's hard for us to share. Perhaps the, the rich man was kind of like the tourist who traveled in the Holy Land and and he met this monk and befriended the monk. The monk was nice to him, and, and he was nice to the monk, and they were visiting and talking, and so the monk started showing him around the Holy Land, some holy sites, and then he invited him to go back into his room so he could, he could see the monastery and where he lived because the tourist was interested, as tourists should be. They should be curious. So he goes in there, and he looks around at this austere room, and he said, Sir, all your belongings... He says, is this all you have? And he said, it is. He said, all your belongings could fit in a suitcase. How can you live like this with so little? And the monk looked at him and said, well, sir, I've observed that all you're carrying with you fits in your suitcase. And the guy says, but I'm just a tourist. And the monk said, so am I. <laughs> Y'all were just tourists on this earth. I know it was corny. I know 
Jesus is challenging us always to let go of something. What do you need to let go of? What is Jesus calling you to let go of? At the heart of Jesus' teaching is wealth and generosity. The richest person in the world is the person who gives it away. It is love, whether it's love or money or time. The richest person are those who know how to share. St. Francis wrote it beautifully, For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born again to eternal life. The good news is, rich people can be saved. Zacchaeus and Joseph of Arimathea were saved. We can be saved, but we've got to learn to let go and share. Let us pray. To whom much is given, much is expected. This is the wisdom of the ages. Help us, O oh God, to have an attitude of generosity. We are so rich, and we are like the rich man. We like our riches. Help us to learn from Jesus the example that we can have a life that's fuller and more joyful if we learn to share and share regularly through our tithes and our offerings. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen and amen.